न वहां कोई हमारी सीमा में घुस आया है न ही कोई घुसा हुआ है न ही हमारी कोई पोस्ट किसी दूसरे के कब्जे में है friends another sunday 8 pm indian time and welcome to our program on virat hindustan sangam social media channels of words of wisdom gyan ganga which we host with dr subramaniam swami and we have very uh, different guests discussing various topics today we have another interesting topic and we we have a guest ambassador panchok stop den Is, who is a prominent buddhist figure born in ladakh he is amongst the well known indian strategic thinkers excelled in many other fields than national security and diplomacy namely writing and shaping public opinion for he often brings a fresh perspective to the issue confronting the nation he is a scholar and an authority on central inner asian affairs he has also closely watched the afghan conflict and the trends of development in pok gilgit and baltistan as a practitioner ambassador stopden has contributed immensely for the promotion of ancient indian culture culture abroad among others he was instrumental for the first time in getting the mahabharata published in turkic language it is read in more than 10 countries today and the author of that book was later awarded with the padma award by the government of india in 2004 he is a well known columnist he writes very often for the hindustan times indian express and the tribune and besides other newspapers he is the founding president of the ladakh international center lay he is an advisory council of oxus society for central asian affairs washington dc a foundation member of raja ram mohan roy library ministry of culture his two latest books are well known i'll just tell it for the information of our viewers the great game in the buddhist himalayas india and china's quest for strategic dominance penguin india 2019 and the other book is india and central asia the strategic dimension 
published in 2020. So with this word, it is over to Dr. Swami. Our topic today is the truth and facts about the situation in Ladakh. I have to thank my co-host Ramesh Swami and our technical team led by Ashish Shetty, Swami Nathan, Tejas Navalgol, Rakesh Gadgi, Ishwar Iyer, Ajesh Nair and Vishal Mehta. I have pleasure to inform you that our last episode, which was the 144th episode on the question of Gandhiji's assassination, unanswered, unanswered question, we had a record viewership of 1,12,531 viewers from across the globe. So with this, it is over to our patron president, Dr. Subramaniam Swami for his introductory remarks and then our guest ambassador Panchok stopped and will enlighten us with his views on Ladakh and all the related issues are across that area and the region. Thank you. Over to Dr. Swami. Thank you, Jagdish. Uh, today we are here uh, to hear and listen to uh, uh, our ambassador uh, in uh, in the um, in the very areas that we are interested in today, and that is in our borders and beyond a little beyond our borders, and uh, he's also a Ladakhi, and uh, so uh, it's an area where very few people have gone um, in as tourists. Uh, yeah, although it's a beautiful place and this infrastructure is developing. So in this context, I would uh, like to pose some questions, but he's free to speak on what he wants. And he's free to not speak on what he doesn't want. Uh, we just want to hear him because he has acquired a reputation for being, uh, because of his books and because of his columns, as a man who has gone into the depths of problems and speaks quite frankly. So uh, I would like to say, first of all, that uh, we, uh, India and China, and I was, I was very much uh, involved in, in it because I had a cabinet rank position in uh, Narasimha Rao's government at that time. Uh, India and China came to an agreement that uh, till we settle our borders, let us have a um, line of actual control and respect it. So both of us signed it. And uh, what we now hear since uh, um, last April of, uh, uh, April of uh, 2020 is that uh, we have suddenly discovered uh, that the Chinese have entered some places. Uh, government has not confirmed anything because uh, they have taken a view that this is not in the national security interests. Even my parliament questions, uh, they declined to answer on the same grounds as the national security interests. Uh, so we, we don't have an authoritative view. And of course, uh, Ambassador Stapden, uh, you see, he may have some delicacies. He's not in service now. He's retired. But uh, still, he is able to get information because of his uh, earlier standing in the government in the, in the Ministry of External Affairs. So, subject to his own discretion, uh, I, I would like to ask the quest first question. Uh, we need to understand what really has happened uh, that has spoiled 
or converted our relationship into what in most people think is a hostile relationship. What is it that the Chinese have done which for in uh, Ladakh, which um, uh, we find uh, as against our previous agreements and uh, understandings? And, uh, and why is the Chinese become um, aggressive the way they were never before for a long time? Over to you, sir. And then uh, after you have spoken or whatever you want to say, including on this question, and then at the end of maybe 20 minutes, uh, 25 minutes or 30 minutes, then uh, we, I will uh, again ask one or two questions and then my panel also will ask you questions. And, uh, and then we'll conclude it uh, between 9 and 9.15. So over to you, sir. Uh, we are all itching to, and uh, very anxiously waiting to hear from you because it's the first time a part of India, which we never hear directly, we are hearing somebody who's a um, um, respected uh, um, uh, um, writer and also has, who has been an ambassador. So please tell us what is exactly the position in Ladakh today. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Subramaniam Swami, Dr. Shetty and my friends there. Thank you very much. Uh, well, um, I think uh, Dr. Swami is the greatest uh, Hindutva in our country. Greatest, I suppose. And uh, I am a person from Himwata. Uh, the place where uh, Lord Shiva was born. He's uh, partly a Ladakhi. Uh, he was born that side. And uh, I also have the credential to be a uh, Hindutva believer. And uh, I think it's time for the greatest uh, uh, Hindutva leader in our country to be in the Rashtrapati Bhavan very soon. <laughs> and I think you should vacate your uh, Rajya Sabha seat for me. <laughs> then together we can uh, do something very nice for the country or for the <laughs> cause of Hinduta. Well, uh, you asked a very interesting question and uh, there are no easy answers for all this. Uh, what really happened? But uh, if you see the trends of event uh, till the 2017 um, Wuhan uh, summit between uh, Pre Prime Minister Modi and Prime uh, President Xi, everything was fine. And I thought uh, it was going to be a give and take kind of a um, stage that we come to a solution even on the most disputed uh, problems or, you know, difficult questions between China and India. But by the time they met in Mahabalipuram uh, in 2019, uh, things really change. Mahabalipuram was somewhere in September, October uh, 2019. And I think uh, that was after the abrogation of 370, which the Chinese side uh, uh, raised in a very, very, uh, uh, you know, angry mode. They went to UN Security Council also and raised the issue of why Ladakh has been made union territory. Uh, it affects our uh, territorial uh, uh, in all these issues they have raised in a very big way along with Pakistan. And then after that, I think they just was looking for an excuse to come inside uh, our territory. And they had some planned. Uh, what I think is that uh, 370 removal has 
call of the Chinese bluff. They had some hidden agenda about Ladakh. You know, all this while we've been talking about line of actual control, uh, you know, there is some uh, line of perception, LAC, uh, things like that. That's been part of our narrative. But we didn't realize that they had a geopolitical motives in Ladakh. That's the only uh, motive that I have seen. And uh, by May, June, they came inside, uh, uh, deep inside our territory, uh, not I, I would say our territory, but uh, on those areas where we had uh, problems. Uh, and uh, almost uh, what happened in, on the 20th of uh, November, uh, 1962, uh, uh, they came to that position and they left behind, but still uh, they have been fudging all these uh, stories about uh, 1959 line, 1957 line, 1960 line, uh, 62 line. All these things, they have been uh, sort of um, uh, kind of um, misleading the public opinion, both in India and outside. So they have played some mischief. Uh, from May onwards, May 2020, and it started with Pengong Lake. And uh, the other provocation that I can only see is that, you know, they were used to our being very lax on the border. There used to be no patrolling in that area, especially in the, you know, the northern, uh, what you call it, uh, subsector north in Dapsang Plateau. Uh, absolutely, there used to be very few uh, patrolling going on from our side because it's a very difficult area. Most of the time of the year, it is almost closed. Nobody can go there. Either it is flooded or it is snow covered. So even for the armed forces, it's very difficult to go there. Now we are building a road there. That's one provocation. Uh, that how could that uh, 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 India under Prime Minister Modi is doing all these things? It's a it's a being asked. And uh, there are a number of other bridges and roads that we're doing uh, in that uh, part of the uh, area. So the Chinese are now uh, very, very uh, provoked. And uh, it's not that the previous governments have not done it, but there were a lot of corruption. If you just open the Google and write about all the Shayok Maldo, or no, sorry, Shayok uh, DBO roads and all these things, there is a CHA report. Crores and crores of uh, um, uh, rupees have been, uh, uh, you know, eaten away by contractors uh, from where. But I think uh, since 2014-15, construction work has been going in a very, very high speed. And that is one provocation. And uh, this has been reported very clearly by the Chinese media that uh, construction of uh, Indian uh, defense facilities are disrupting their Chinese border management and uh, unilaterally changing the uh, line of control and border area. That's the accusation they have been giving. But I would say uh, that uh, there could be a, a bigger political motives behind what they have done, and uh, uh, this will this will uh, this will continue. But uh, I would say that yes, when Prime Minister, you showed a clipping of the Prime Minister. Modi's statement, he is absolutely right because uh, uh, we have lost nothing. Uh, we, we haven't lost Galwan. Galwan was lost to China during Nehru's time. Aksai Chin was lost to China during Pandit Nehru's time. 
uh, we were at PP uh, 14. Then after 62, we are still holding PP 14 at Galwan. The Galwan Valley itself is with China. We are at the mouth of Galwan. The mouth of Galwan has a PP 14, the petroleum point 14, where we are still, doing, still holding on. That incident that took place on the 20th of June or 15th of June uh, 2020, it's at the PP 15. So there is a problem now. The Chinese are uh, on the uh, PP 15 and they are not moving away from there. That's a very, very difficult point. But in other areas, we have seen some disengagement, especially in the uh, Pengong area, north of Pengong and south of Pengong. Uh, but I am only worried about the subsector north, and they are doing something along with the Pakistanis now. I am only worried about that. Galwan uh, is vulnerable, but there could be few more vulnerable points, and uh, there is no agreed LAC as, as you mentioned. Uh, till a uh, couple of years ago, we used to have two agreed, mutually agreed dispute areas, which is uh, trick height in the north near the DBO. The other is in the in the uh, Demchok area. These are the only two dispute points which mutually agreed. The other, other areas are uh, differing uh, uh, perception on the line of control. Line of control is there, but my line of control is different from his line of control, there we will differ. So there is no exchange of map to say that, look, from like Pakistan, we have LOC. We know each and every point with Pakistan, where to go, where they sit and where we sit. But here in our case, in the East, we don't have a clear line where we could say this is Chinese or this is Indian. Of course, Chinese are sitting on uh, illegally on our territories since 62. That's another matter. That happened in the past. Uh, but even after 62, the LAC that we have come to a conclusion after 62, still differing. I mean, it, it, there is no common line. Uh, that's why all this um, uh, conflict keep on taking place uh, during the patrolling uh, time, especially in the springtime. It will start now. I see in March, April, again, uh, uh, patrolling season will start now, of course, because of the problem throughout the year, uh, troops are patrolling. Uh, so this area uh, denial, we call it, the, the area denial set by the Chinese for our troops to go in these areas. See, there is a DMZ, demilitarized zone, which they defined, of course. We never believed in that in 1962. They went back 20 kilometers. Actually, they didn't uh, go 20 kilometers behind. If they had gone back, uh, to uh, 7th uh, September 1962 position, we would have then said, Pandit Nehru also agreed, yes, uh, if that is, uh, you are genuine about that withdrawal for 20 kilometers to uh, uh, 7th of October 1962, then uh, some solution can be found. But they are not sincere about that. What they are saying is that whatever they have captured in 1962, now they are saying it is 19, uh, October, mm, sorry, 7 October 1962. So they are, they are fudging, they are falsifying all these facts. So what they are trying to do today is to come back to 1962 uh, uh, position and say, look, this is my area. 
so uh, there is no uh, uh, india cannot india cannot uh, withdraw from the area that which is already ours uh, this is the real position uh, but at the same time i do feel that a negotiation to uh, should take place without a negotiation nothing can be we can wait for 1000 years and nothing will happen uh, once you start negotiating you might gain you might lose uh, that's a risk uh, that's why i think there is a political um, uh, position is required uh, prime minister nehru uh, sorry modi is in a position to do so his government is very strong uh, if any other uh, kichdi government comes he won't be able to do uh, even i see this opposition is making a lot of uh, noise now uh, making uh, things very difficult for prime minister modi on the china issue uh, in fact he has not given up anything not even an inch uh, technically i mean technically he is absolutely correct about what he has said na koi aaya hai na wahan baitha hai he is fine i mean nothing has happened uh, to that extent but the way they came in this time uh, in this uh, gray areas what we call a dmz demilitarized area where patrolling area they have built certain infrastructure in case of a war it will be very easy for them to now come in that's the worry some they have gone back uh, there have been two uh, series of uh, uh, two series of disengagement one in february the other one is in august and uh, uh, say in pangong area they have gone back to finger point 8 that come up to 4 Uh, so they have gone back to eight, and we have gone back to come back to finger point three, where uh, Dancing Thapa's uh, uh, position is there. You know, memorial is there. So um, uh, there has been some disengagement uh, there uh, uh, in uh, uh, in the in in certain other area like uh, Gogra Post. What we have a position a point called uh, PP seventeen A that has been done in August. a uh, difficult area is that pp15 and i don't see a easy solution for that but more than that it is the 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 depsang area the stake is very high in that area something like 1100 square kilometer if you are not able to uh, uh, regain for patrolling uh, it's a patrolling area of course it's not a defined area uh, if your chinese continue to sit there in that gray zone area then something like 1150 square kilometer will be gone it's not uh, just the area but they will then get connected to siachen glacier and then uh, with the pok uh, that's a very very dangerous situation and we should never allow that thing to happen and i am worried uh, there is a pp13 now where uh, they are constructing a road and if they do such a thing they will come to another point like galwan Uh, they will touch our highway uh, at a place called murgo and burse uh, that's again a very critical situation we should never allow that those things to happen and if they do at uh, that point at uh, murgo then our access to dolatbek ulde will be completely cut off so uh, chinese are doing all these things uh, i don't know uh, but uh, it's true that uh, uh true uh, that we ourselves have not taken aksai chin very seriously either we should not have claimed in the first place in 1954 or if you have claimed it we should be able to hold on to it just saying that uh, you know uh, uh, every inch of this territory belongs to us uh, it doesn't mean anything uh, 
uh, I will not give in. How will you uh, regain it now? That's the problem. Uh, the problem is negotiation. Uh, and I think uh, it is possible that what uh, McCarthy and uh, McDonnell has offered in uh, 1899, that Aksai Chin should be divided between North and South, where the, the Chinese can keep the North, proper Aksai Chin, we get the Ling Zitang and the rest of you know South, South uh, Aksai Chin up to Pengong Lake. That is a reasonable thing, but I don't know any discussion taking place. Chinese are also not talking about it. They are talking about 1959 line, but 1959 line is the line of 1962 when they came in. So uh, Chinese are not budging on that. Uh, so uh, even the negotiation will be very hard to take place. And uh, a only a political solution is uh, uh, possible. Uh, we don't know how to do that, but probably... Um, it's not in our hand. Uh, there are we are part of the now great great power game, and the United States is a factor. Russia is a factor. Uh, Russia is regulating India-China conflict or friendship or whatever you want to say. And uh, uh, the Americans are also watching very carefully. And uh, every day the situation is changing. Uh, I thought uh, the next uh, meeting is. Uh, is going to take place on the 15th of February. But uh, what has happened in uh, Beijing two days ago on the flag barrier of the Olympics, uh, I think uh, then again, a new uh, uh, action reaction uh, process will continue. Uh, this is not the last thing to happen. We will continue to have problem here. And I don't see end of the tunnel any uh, light. Uh, any good news coming on the eastern Ladakh side. Uh, the bad thing is that uh, uh, the Ladakhis are suffering. The nomads uh, are really having a tough time going to their grazing places. Uh, we almost lost a uh, lot of areas, you know, pasture lands. Uh, this is the real issue. Uh, um, the eastern Ladakh itself has been neglected administratively. Uh, Leh is something like 300 kilometers away from uh, whatever is happening, and the big man uh, authority, the lieutenant governor of, uh, of Ladakh sits in Leh. Uh, so if you want to have control, effective control, in terms of demography, in terms of uh, presence, in terms of administration, then I think some changes should be brought in terms of strengthening uh, the eastern Ladakh. Uh, you know, Ladakh is too big. It's twice the size of uh, you know, it's Switzerland or uh, I don't know, it can cover half of Europe. Uh, it's a huge um, region. It's the biggest uh, area in terms of district in the country. Uh, to have uh, one district controlling those things are not sufficient. Uh, those areas should be looked after carefully, uh, you know, very, very effectively. Uh, people should be empowered. The grazing area should be brought back from the Chinese. Uh, you know, 10,000 to uh, 80,000 yaks and ships, almost more than uh, 1 lakh, 2 lakh ships uh, go for winter pasturing. And all these areas now today being denied, uh, keep on taking place. You know, this is something like civilian conflict, uh, civilian dispute, standoff uh, in certain areas. It's not just military standoff. This is a civilian standoff where the local people are involved. Now, if you go to Chushul, 
uh, it's very, very difficult now. It's very sensitive. Uh, the Chushul village is uh, just about a half a kilometer away from the Chinese post. Uh, if I have a house in Chushul, I may not be able to even uh, reconstruct that. I, I will be in the fear of, uh, you know, the Chinese attacking the area. So I won't be able to build a house also. So that's a very, very uh, critical area, the Chushul area, the south of Pengong. And uh, now the Chinese are building huge things. There's a bridge now coming up. Uh, that bridge is so critical for the Chinese. And for us, uh, uh, our defense will be a, 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 a very problematic. You know, there's a place called uh, Rodok on the Chinese side, about 80, 90 kilometers. Now they can come to Pengong Lake within, uh, say, a uh, couple of hours. Uh, it used to take whole day. Uh, you know, five-star roads are being built. Now the bridge from Northern Bank to Southern Bank at Kurnak, uh, that will reduce the entire distance of uh, certain military position in uh, China to, to, to Galwan, to Pengong, to uh, Depsang, and they can go right up to uh, DBO. So that road is being built. And uh, uh, unless India does something, uh, India has certain options. I'm not going to spell out. These are very, very, uh, <laughs> you know, serious things. Uh, it's a military op operation. All is not lost, of course. But uh, uh, the way things are happening, uh, I believe now that Imran Khan is in uh, in in Pakistan. He is going to sell uh, Skardu Airport to the PLA. And PLA will be permanently sitting in Skardu Airport. There are four or five runways there. And uh, you have now six to seven uh, airports around Ladakh, the Chinese air, uh, military airports. We are surrounded by Chinese uh, military airports. There are 36 or 38 helipads we are building. And uh, I don't know uh, how we're going to respond. We can only respond militarily uh, if we wish to by taking back Shkazgam Valley. There is a 59 kilometers uh, gap from north of Siachen to Karakuram range. It's only 59 kilometer, which is a tri-junction between Pakistan, China, and India. I won't say China because if they have, uh, the Pakistanis have gifted away that area to the Chinese. It's called Terram Shahar. Uh, most Indians don't know about this area. Uh, if we can retake that area, it's not much, uh, 59 kilometer distance. And if we can uh, regain that uh, Shkazgam Valley, parts of Shkazgam Valley, then the Chinese, Pakistani, that nexus can be broken easily. Otherwise, you know, they are building big, big highways. It is not just G314. Uh, now they're building a new road, which will be south of the Karakuram. Whatever they have today between India and uh, China and Pakistan is north of the Karakuram. And then going into POK, uh, what these people are now trying to do is to build a road south of the Karakuram and through CHN Glacier, they go into POK. That's a very dangerous proposition. Then Leh will not exist. The Nubra Valley will not exist. They will be in the Indus Valley. And the situation is over. Uh, one should not uh, see such a kind of a bad scenario. Uh, but uh, we should be always prepared. And uh, what I see is that there is no uh, expertise. There is no understanding about Ladakh. L looking at Ladakh only through military point of view is not enough. Ladakh is a geography, Ladakh is a history, Ladakh is about land, Ladakh is about people. Uh, I have not seen anything in our discourse in, since the Galwan incident took place 
about the Ladakh itself. And every day the Chinese have a column on Ladakh these days, how Ladakh belongs to Tibet and how Tibet belongs to China. Uh, you know, they, they want to revisit their history from Tang Dynasty and from the Yuang Dynasty to the Ming Dynasty to the Qing Dynasty. And they say this, there is a you know, continuity of control through the Lamas and pre, priest and the pattern, the king and the lamas. And they, they give come a lot of justification and um, the changing the discourse. What I'm trying to say is that the narrative, new narratives is being built. And unfortunately, we don't have a Ladakh story. Uh, we have a core there, military people sitting there. But what is our position on Ladakh? We seem to be having a position on Tibet, but not on Ladakh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's strange. Uh, and uh, uh, all this while, even JNK, we were focused on Kashmir, not on Ladakh. If you have focused on Ladakh, we would have solved Pakistan problem, we would have solved China problem also. But we have ignored. Uh, that's, a, that's a problem. We don't have a Himalayan policy also. Yeah, after all, Ladakh is Western Himalaya, which the British uh, propagated. Today, we don't talk about Western Himalaya. Himalaya, I don't know. It's an ecology or some trees or some snow or some rivers. But <laughs> Himalaya is a big geopolitical area. But how many people we, we people do, you know, Tawang and Gangtok and some Kathmandu, you know, these are not enough. Chinese come out with uh, bigger narratives, a big, big picture they build and they implement. Uh, even if it is about a temple, they will work hard on the temple through scholars, through historians. But then they will convert that into a military action through PLA. Ultimately, if a historian writes something about a temple, a research on the temple goes to political system. The political sense system hands it over to the PLA. How to regain the temple? So they, it's, it doesn't remain just an academic exercise in the case of China. Now, in our case, everything is academic. We only talk, oh, that mountain, that story, Pengong Lake, Three Idiot, you know, uh, Amir Khan, uh, all those things. Uh, you know, you'll be very surprised when I go to some ministries. Oh, Mr. Stopden, where are you come from? So I come from Ladakh. Oh, Three Idiot, Three Idiot. They identify me with Three Idiots. Which is some Karina Kapoor and some uh, some actors uh, actresses went there in the Pengong Lake. They shot a film there. No, this is very strange, and uh, we are not serious about it. Uh, uh, so just militarily handling is not sufficient. Uh, we we need to think in a in a in a bigger way, in a substantive way. So we don't have the expertise, and we will not have the expertise also, uh, because if today if I am asked to handle the China border problem, I will handle China problem very differently. I asked the Bhutanese, how do you handle the China problem? You have such a big boundary with China. He says, look, uh, we have a different way of dealing with the Chinese. Uh, India has a different way. But unfortunately, there is, there is no Ladakhi inputs in the boundary management. Uh, it's all handled by armed forces or ITBP or MEA. Uh, these are only hush-hush things, secret things. We don't get to know uh, what is happening, what is not happening. Uh, so I would suggest that uh, uh, Eastern Ladakh should be given a focus, not that we should ignore Northern Ladakh and Western Ladakh or even Southern 
Ladakh called Zanskar and Nupra and the Kargil. These are very, very uh, important areas. But Eastern Ladakh is going to be a permanent conflict area. I wish it doesn't become like a permanent conflict like what we've seen in the valley. If the Chinese intend to convert Ladakh into a con permanent conflict zone, uh, then uh, it is not in my interest because I have a lot of tourists coming from all over the countries. I want them to come there and not to make this area a disturbed area. Uh, we can prevent it. We should not allow this area to become like a, you know, uh, uh, unstable area, uh, which will uh, kill our industry, the tourism industry and other whatever industry that we have. So uh, beyond that, um, if you need to, if you have any other question, I will yes, be sir. very happy to answer. Sure. Thank you, sir. It's a very scintillating and very logically uh, placed uh, thing. You really enjoyed you know, a lot of new information. Uh, I'll start uh, with the questioning, uh, giving questions thing, then my colleagues will take over after you've answered my, some of my questions. You can answer any question you wish. You need not answer any question you don't wish to answer. Now, first of all, uh, this Pangong Lake, they are building a bridge. And now I'm told that uh, I've uh, heard this uh, here and there that Chushul has the best airport uh, of, uh, of Ladakh. Uh, and the Chinese have got their eyes on it. Do you think that's correct? Number two, as a part B of that, uh, why did we give up Kailash having occupied it? Do you think that we gained anything out of it by giving it up? And when they are not giving up anything, what, what, what are we doing in giving it up? And finally, you see, um, uh, Depsong is vital because uh, little, uh, if you look at little left in the, on the map, uh, it goes very close to um, uh, um, uh, the, the, that area where the, uh, which is all ice and ice and ice, uh, uh, you know, that you mentioned. Uh, and which we have uh, spent a lot of uh, lives to protect and keep uh, with us. But it will become very easy for them to take over Siachen. So uh, uh, I would like to know whether the Depsong thing, Depsong uh, presence of China or China around and nearby, uh, is it, would you say that in terms of protecting us uh, from the our overall uh, national security uh, consisting of uh, dealing with Pakistan also, whether we should be uh, doing something more in uh, in uh, Depsong area. And uh, finally, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, one of your colleagues, uh, the foreign, uh, former foreign secretary, uh, <clears throat> Mr. Gokhale wrote a book uh, in which he said that uh, Russia is a junior partner of China. And a lot of others have also said it. The Hungarians have written, uh, research institutes have said it. And generally speaking, I also find by looking at the, um, uh, the statements of uh, Russia, they seem to be very keen to see that not to be on the other side of China. So how can Russia possibly mediate between us and China when they are a junior partner of China? This is a... Uh, one question which you may may not want to answer, but I'll, I couldn't resist after your comments. 
you say that uh, the Chinese say that uh, this part of uh, Ladakh is uh, part of Tibet, that, that part is part of Tibet. Do the Tibetans agree with this? Especially so many Tibetans are there in India. Do they agree with this? Uh, and uh, so uh, how can the Chinese claim it when the Tibetans have not claimed it? Over to you, sir. Sir, you are absolutely right. We used to have an airstrip at Chishul in uh, 1962. Uh, but uh, after the war, uh, we abandoned it. Uh, what I heard when I was young was from the villager in Chushul. I've been to Chushul a couple of times. So the Chinese objected that uh, when the aircraft landed at the airstrip, the shadow uh, of the airplane uh, uh, fell on the Chinese territory. You know, it's so close. I mean, right at the bank of the uh, you know border, the, the, the airstrip is there. Uh, so we stopped using that airstrip. Uh, it was built in the 50s or something. You know, I just got to know uh, from an American colleague who dug out a, a video of 1947, a couple of weeks before we got independent, in which Molana, Abul Kazam, and uh, uh, Abdul Kalam, and uh, this... Uh, uh, the creator of Pakistan, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, yeah, Pandit Nehru, and uh, all these guys were sitting together and they were send sending a mission to Chishul to create an airport uh, to launch an attack on China. This was before independence. Uh, so, uh, surely those airports have been built around that time during the Cold War period. Uh, now, I don't think it's very difficult. And when I asked a, a official here who were uh, concerned with the road building, uh, they were uh, telling me that we will build a you know, big road like you do in, uh, uh, like in uh, Gurgawa, Delhi type of a road where aircraft can be landed. So there is a plan, but uh, now they are sitting there. We have given up Mount, uh, you know, Kailash range. You are absolutely correct. But I don't think that that was a mistake. Uh, Kailash range, uh, we had to withdraw it because we had to gain something in the north of Pengong. Uh, north of Pengong, they had come up to uh, finger, finger four. Almost they have reached finger three. And they built roads there, permanent roads, uh, something like four, five kilometers long road. And it was very difficult to push them back to finger eight. So in the process of bargaining, I think we had to uh, take a call on the Kailash range. And I won't say that is the lost case because we can easily take it back. They're so vulnerable. The Moldo is the where the, the garrison sit there, the Chinese garrison. Uh, we can take it uh, in five minutes if you want. So uh, it's not a very... Uh, Strong argument to say, you know, I have been asked this question by so many people. Why we gave up Kailash range? We are so stupid. We have lost the advantage. Well, sitting in Delhi, you can build such kind of a emo emotive kind of stories. But <laughs> on the ground, it is very, very difficult to uh, argue in such a uh, such kind of a manner. So, uh, but what is worrying is this bridge that you are talking about. It's just 400, 500 meters long. Uh, at Kurnak uh, Khar. Uh, Kurnak used to be Ladakhi land before, uh, much before in history. Now it's with the Chinese. And uh, they are building from there, from the north to south bank, 
400 meter, uh, which will reduce the total distance now to something like 200 long kilometer will be shortened uh, to, uh, to just a half a kilometer. So the travel distance would be from one day to just two, three hours. Uh, so uh, that's a big advantage for them. Uh, if they have such kind of uh, strong motives now, then I think they have a plan, long-term plan uh, to capture many other areas. Obviously, it becomes so vulnerable militarily, uh, the other areas like Indus Valley, uh, Shaok Valley, uh, these are river valleys. Uh, if they, the whole purpose of the Chinese has to push us, push the Indian troops south of the Indus and the south of the uh, Shayok uh, River. Uh, that's a very dangerous proposition. We should never allow that thing to happen. And uh, we must think out of the box. I don't say that we should have a military answer, but we should start thinking about all these areas much more seriously in political terms, in terms of uh, scholarship, in terms of understanding this area, knowledge about the Chinese. I don't see any good sinologies. Ambassador Gokhale is fine. But uh, 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 Ambassador Gokhale doesn't understand Chinese psychology, Chinese history, Chinese philosophy, Chinese mind. Uh, you know, if I spend two, three years in China, I don't become China expert. You have to baptize there yourself to be <laughs> Chinese, eat Chinese food, have good. You know, uh, it's, it's, understanding China is not a political science subject. Uh, it's not an easy subject. Understanding China, you requires at least you should know Sanskrit or Pali language. You know, half of their mind is conditioned by Sanskrit. Maybe yeah, I would so say ten to twenty percent of their mind is controlled by Confucius, uh, you know, stories. But the majority, you know, uh, seven to eighty percent of their brain and thought process, uh, psychology is uh, is conditioned by our Pali, uh, you know, Brahmi all the literature that went from here, you know, we taught them ethics, we taught them philosophy, they were barbarics like Mongols. So we must understand we ourselves don't speak Sanskrit, that's a tragedy. And uh, I, I think uh, next president of India should be a Sanskrit knowing president, who uh -huh. should, should be sitting in the Rashtrapati Bhavan. And every institution should be headed, especially those who deal with China, should compulsorily know Sanskrit and Pali. I don't know why we shy away from, uh, you know, the, the Sanskrit is a language of God. Yeah. Uh, the, the Chinese say, uh, if you ask the Chinese, why do you uh, learn Sanskrit? They says, no, it's a language of God. If I go to heaven, I will talk to the gods and the goddesses. Uh, hmm. So uh, there are such deep uh, uh, thinking is required. Uh, unfortunately, I don't see, I'm not a China expert. My expertise in Central Asia. I do talk about some border situation because I belong to that place and I'm affected directly. My welfare is affected. My life is affected by what the Chinese are doing. So I do take some interest, uh, but uh, I speak three Chinese languages. Uh, you know, I speak uh, Mongol. I, I was in uh, uh, Mongolia. I speak Tibetan and I speak uh, the Uyghur language. And uh, I can say that I don't know Mandarin, but... Uh, I know enough about uh, what Chinese are doing in other places, not just in Ladakh. One, uh, one point I would add to what you just said about Sanskrit. There was a, uh, a very famous poet in China called Hu Shi. 
He was mm. the president of the Beijing University and later ambassador to UK or Britain, as it's called. He wrote a he gave a lecture at Harvard University, uh, a title, uh, The Indianization of China, a case of peaceful borrowing uh, from India. And he just describes exactly what you said. Today, when I Indians read it, they can't believe it. But I'm glad that you have uh, brought it out to, uh, for our viewers. And I think this kind of thing should be propagated. No, if, if we believe in our own thoughts, in, in our own philosophy and language, the others will start respecting us. If like a slave, if you speak in English, unfortunately, you are an Indian. I am also an Indian. We speak in uh, American language. It's very sad affairs. It's a very sad situation. I'm not a proud, uh, you know, I don't feel proud uh, to speak to you in English. It's my compulsion because we have been trained like that uh, institutionally. Uh, I was never taught Sanskrit by anybody. <laughs> I would have loved to uh, learn it. Uh, but uh, if we don't uh, respect ourselves, don't believe in our own history, religion, culture, the others are not, don't expect others respecting you. Now, uh, I don't. You have, you have, excuse me. You have a Hemis Gompa in, uh, uh, in, uh, in, in, in Ladakh, somewhere beyond Leh. Uh, you, you heard of that, Ash, uh, that um, monastery, no? Hemis Gompa. Oh, yeah, it's the biggest. Uh, it's the biggest. Uh, uh, 45% of our revenue land is uh, owned by that monastery. And the head of that monastery is a Chinese citizen. Uh, unfortunately, he lives in uh, Lhasa. And uh, oh. he, he must be around 88, 89 in his last stage. And uh, his rebirth has to be found. And I am concerned about that. Uh, he's not returning. I don't know why he's not returning. Uh, he was here in 1950s. Again, he came in 90s for a short while. Then uh, he's a married man. He lives in Lhasa in Chengdu in Sichuan province. Hmm. Uh, his name is Takchang Raspa. He is the chief of that monastery. Uh, I'm seriously concerned about that uh, and I don't uh, want anybody else to control that area except our own people. Unfortunately, uh, most of our these religious places are not in our control. Uh, that's a very, uh, again, uh, a serious problem and I wish not to talk about those uh, religious issues which are again linked with politics but uh, unfortunately, uh, people uh, do not understand religion has a different meaning and politics has a different meaning. If you mix up, then uh, uh, your result is something else, a, a very cocktail kind of a result. <laughs> it's not a very pleasant thing. Uh, uh, so this Himis thing is, uh, uh, is a very serious issue. I think government of India should be concerned. So far, nobody has consulted me. Except the Americans, of course, uh, the Americans do talk to me where they're going wrong. But the Indian <laughs> government never asked me where the Indian government is going wrong. <laughs> we know everything. <laughs> we know yeah, everything. I need to ask you. And uh, <laughs> that's a tragedy. Uh, yes. Well, I can say that because I'm not in the government anymore. But if yeah. I was in the government, I will also not ask anybody else. I will <laughs> pretend as if I know everything. Uh, so... Uh, the synologists are in lacking some. Yes. Uh, well, uh, Ramesh, you want to ask any questions? Uh, Can I ask, uh, say something on the Russia thing? Yes, yes, please. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, you are. 
I don't think uh, Russia is a junior partner of China. I asked this question to the Russians in Moscow two years ago, and uh, I keep on having this webinar with them. Said you can call us uh, aunt of China, not uh, uh, pa <laughs> junior partner, and uh, they are not uh, genuine partner. I would say they are not genuine friends. Just as uh, Pakistan and China are not genuine friends, their compulsion. Uh, uh, you can say India and China are not genuine enemies. <laughs> <laughs> But Russia and China are not genuine friends. Certainly they are not. They have long border history. You know, history is very bitter uh, with them. Uh, yeah. Our history is not so bitter. There are certain things, you know, most of all this anti-China thing is also built up uh, uh, at the lowest level. And the result you get is this uh, Olympic thing. They also now start playing very cheap, you know. <laughs> taking their hero as a torchbearer to the... I mean, they are also helping us in those kind of way. Uh, but when I watch Indian television, we are so, so full of, you know, uh, it's not required. You are overhyping the China threat. China is not, not strong. I'm telling you, let's not overplay China. Uh, China, uh, China can be dealt... Uh, uh, that subtlety we don't have to deal, uh, to deal with. That part we have lost. In our psyche, our diplomats, I don't know how they are good at. I can't criticize our diplomat. But this, the subtle manner in which we used to handle diplomacy, that uh, I think uh, uh, that tradition is gone. Maybe generational gap is there. Uh, now we want to deal digitally China. I don't know how to deal uh, digitally with China. I don't know. Most of the apps are theirs. We closed all of them, but the trade is going up. There is no economic cost for the Chinese to stay in Pangong Lake or Galvan. Uh, because they are earning almost 100 billion from us, uh, surplus trade. Yeah, yeah 126 right. billion dollar. And uh, if there is no economic cost for them, then either we don't have a China policy or our China policy is not working. Yeah. That is what I can say because they are earning money from us and they are sitting on our land also. It's a win-win <laughs> situation for them. <laughs> we need to rethink, you know, in a, in a different way. But certainly Russia, China... Uh, Oh, you know, that's the uh, uh, real politic, uh, what they call it, uh, you know, the, 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 the Russians are very good at that in uh, tactically playing friendship and enemies. Uh, India, they cannot uh, really betray because there will be a strong emotion uh, in the Russian public. The Russian public loves India. They can't live without India. But the Russian public uh, do not like the Chinese. They don't like the Chinese. They, right. they, Governments have compulsion. That's another matter. But at the at the at the popular level, China is not famous in uh, Russia or anywhere. Uh, but I don't see uh, 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 even in India. Even Prime Minister Modi loves uh, Russian. I think we all love Russia. <laughs> Whatever we say, but uh, you know that they, they don't harm us in a very nasty way like the Americans do. Every now and then they raise issues. And I'm telling you, don't forget that uh, we could save Kashmir because of Russia in the 50s and the 60s at the UN uh, Security Council. They are the ones who always uh, stood for us. And uh, when we were asking for all these big things, they nobody gave us except the Russians. Okay, today, you know, 21st century India looks rich, so everybody's offering a lot of things. But, uh, you know, but uh, yeah, this will... Uh, 
uh, but I believe in the long run after Putin, things will change. Uh, Putin is so smart that Putin will not make India and China a close friend. Uh, Putin yeah. is also smart enough that China and United States don't get along. It's a very, very uh, clever leader. I think what is happening in Ukraine and uh, he is playing very nicely. And so far, please uh, don't forget that uh, uh, everybody thought it is a tension between Russia, uh, sorry, between China and United States. And suddenly now this has become a Russia versus United States. He has stolen the show, the global show he has stolen. It's no longer much about China and United States. China has gone into the back burner now. But I believe on Wednesday, there's going to be a court permit where the Americans are again now saying, no, we have not forgotten China. We will contain you and we will contain Russia also. Now, if you are part of that containment, dual containment strategy, then I think uh, it's not a good thing for us to get uh, trapped into the big power uh, game. Uh, we should play our own game. Uh, we should maintain our autonomy. So I don't think that Russia is the junior partner. Uh, well, uh, th that's not a correct way to interpret. One can say like that, but uh, uh, they're, they're very upset when you say these things. Right. Okay, Ramesh. <clears throat> yes, sir. Uh, thank you, Mr. Stoblen. Um, the, the, you mentioned something that the government is not ready to listen to you. Know, first, they have to acknowledge that there is a problem before we start listening. So I, the first step is probably they have not acknowledged that there is a, definitely a problem. And you, you've explained it beautifully in multiple places. And you, you pretty much focused in Ladakh area. What was surprising to me in this talk, Dr. Swami, was that he said about the religious places, how yeah. China is taking advantage of it. And uh, we are completely losing uh, the, uh, you know, or uh, taking our eyeball out of that and thinking more, you know, that China is going to be big or large and this and that. And you've mentioned it so many times, Dr. Swami, that China is very easy to deal with China in terms of militarily. They, yeah. uh, you know, and, and I think uh, Mr. Stobdan is also echoing that, saying that, you know, we should not be, quote unquote, afraid of China, per se. Um, but Mr. Stobdan, do you have any idea on Arunachal Pradesh or is that something that you focus only exclusively on uh, Ladakh area? Well, I think uh, uh, Arunachal Pradesh, internally they have surrendered. Uh, they don't think that uh, they will get it back from India and we can't give it back also. The tricky question is uh, the Tibetan issue is much more linked with Arunachal uh, than in Ladakh. But uh, now you can always say that uh, Ladakh has equally uh, come into that category. Uh, Ladakh, every minute, every second, the word Ladakh is circulating on the Google uh, trillion times, which makes Ladakh very, very like Hong Kong. Like uh, I heard about Hong Kong, Ugo, uh, the Xinjiang, uh, Taiwan, all this problem, but Ladakh was not a. a <laughs> Wrong dispute kind of thing, but uh, you know, uh, if you tell hundred times uh, lies, then it becomes true. True. Uh, yes. so that is what's happening. In if you prolong the conflict, then you end up in a different kind of a problem. Uh, why do you allow Ladakh to become a geopolitical issue? And once Ladakh is gone, then it's you know there is Pakistan, there is Russia in the north. Uh, then uh, a whole lot of complication with Islam and other things. Uh, it's not a very good thing to let that happen. Uh, 
the Kashmiris are always there to, uh, you know, raise those issues. Uh, Arunachal Pradesh, they are consolidating, they are hinting again and again. Uh, this boy recently who was uh, lost uh, on the other side, uh, he said he is an Indian. That means that they, he didn't, they didn't say he is a Chinese, at least. So they acknowledged that, that boy was an Indian. So invariably, indirectly, they hint that you know it's a, it is it is Indian, but they are not. We are not ready to uh, uh, compromise on outside chain and other things. So it's a complicated thing. That package deal which uh, Deng Xiaoping offered, we rejected. I think we should review it. And I I uh, strongly believe I'm a proponent of uh, uh, of those that uh, a dialogue is better than deterrence. You know. You can say it's a Buddhist approach, but I also study military. Uh, military uh, you know, China has gone too ahead. That doesn't mean that I demoralize Indian army, but practically I think everybody knows that uh, Chinese have gone ahead with the military modernization. They are prepared. They have, uh, they have come with a new law on the border issues, including on the Arunach place. We, we, we are yet to uh, uh, think about this Himalayan belt. Uh, we mixed up. I think we are playing into the Chinese hand. We got trapped into the Chinese discourse of confusing uh, Himalaya with Tibet. No, Himalaya is a mountain, mountain range. Tibet is a plateau. You can have a cultural uh, overlapping kind of a thing, but even here, the Britishers who tried to uh, draw boundaries, uh, whether it is MacMahon line or the Johnson line or whatever line they drew, they drew uh, not on cultural basis, they drive on the basis of watershed principle, the geographic principle. How Himalaya is different from Plato on the other side is that this is unified by monsoon. Himalaya get monsoon. In Tibet, there is no monsoon. Mm -hmm. You know, and then uh, they anglicize the uh, Bhutanese, the Nepalese, the Ladakhis, the Sikkimese. Everybody uh, south of the Himalayas, they thought it's their frontier. And uh, the, that's why I think the British strategists were very clear about frontier uh, uh, thinking in their mind. Today, I don't know what is our frontier. There is no frontier policy. There are some states in the Himalayas, Uttarakhand, <laughs> Machar Pradesh, and we deal politically with them, different with different chief minister, elections are held. Uh, but to handle uh, Himalaya that way would be very tricky because Himalaya, Himalaya is now claimed by the other side also. And, uh, uh, you know, this uh, making the Himalaya a little bit hazy is not a good thing. We should have a very clear idea. Uh, my, my, my understanding of what Americans think is that they need to liberate Tibet. And why not? Uh, they should liberate Tibet from China. But the matter doesn't stop there. The Americans say that part of Tibet is in India also. So then the problems will come. Uh, once the Americans start sitting in Lhasa, they will think about Sikkim, they will think about other places, they, they will think about me. Of course, if I become a, a citizen on the other side, maybe I become a big man, I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but um, here I have to compete with 1.3 billion people. That might, uh, I will have to compete with 6 million people or <laughs> something like that. So what I'm trying to say that uh, I, I believe in a system where uh, as a Ladakhi, I feel more confident in India because uh, it's in a garden where uh, 
there are a lot of flowers. A Tamilian doesn't threaten me because a Tamilian can never become a Ladakhi. A Ladakhi <laughs> can never a Ladakhi can never become a Malayali because our uh, roots are very different. But in China, a Stockton can easily become Shuangshua or something like that. They will eat. <laughs> uh, my name will be another addition in their sec, uh, in their dictionary, in their vocabulary, and there will be uh, ten million uh, Stockdons in Tibet. So you know, it will be very difficult for me to retain my identity. I'm quite happy with India, and I will not like to, at whatever cost, uh, lose my uh, nationality as an Indian. And thanks to General Zorawar Singh, uh, we became part of this. Uh, unfortunately, yes, none of our Indian people talk about uh, the history of uh, Indian claim over Ladakh. Who right. claimed Ladakh? Uh, Ladakh was uh, before. Uh, no, now you can say it is part of India after the instrument of uh, accession by Hari Singh. Uh, but before that, we were not part of India. Uh, yes, Mughals came, Aurangzeb came there. He helped us a lot in the 17th century. Then the Sikhs came, this, uh, Dokras came. They went up to Mount Kailash. That's the core of uh, Indian civilization. And we don't talk about it. He was beheaded in Tibet by the other side, the Manchus and the Tibetans. Uh, but that's not part of our narrative. And I tell you, if at all we should have a Tibet policy, is to get our uh, Mount Kailash and Mansarwar back. Oh, uh, great. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, uh, India itself is not complete. Uh, India is incomplete without uh, having, uh, uh, you know, don't forget that uh, in uh, uh, October, uh, October when the ex uh, instrument of accession in 1947, uh, October 26th, Hari Singh has signed an instrument of it. He called himself as the uh, Shriman Indra Mahendra Raj Rajeshwara Maharaja Dheeraj Shri Hari Singh Ji Jammu and Kashmir Naresh Tatha Tibet Adi Desha Dipati, which means that he is not just the ruler of Jammu and Kashmir, including POK, of course, but also the areas of Eastern Ladakh including Aksai Chin, as well as the territory he controlled inside Tibet. There is a huge area uh, on the bank of um, uh, Mansarovar Lake called uh, Manser, which Nehru gave, gave as a gift to the, uh, uh, to the Chinese and say extraterritorial rights have been given up by the India. But mm -hmm. how did you give up? You, you had no authority because it ha we, we had 370 article. You know, Indian parliament cannot decide on that to give up uh, Ladakhi territory to the Chinese as long as we were part of the Jammu and Kashmir. We were bound by 370 article. The assembly of Jammu and Kashmir could have passed that judgment or a resolution that you give up your extraterritorial rights to Chinese in 1954. So we, we've lost that uh, land. It is deep inside China, 296 kilometers. Can you believe it? And Zorawar Singh all the way up to Gatwa up to Mount Kailash and made that as a part of India. Unfortunately, this British betrayed us. They, you know, this Cunningham said, please come back, come back. By the time he was trying to come back, the Tibetans killed him. And it's a huge humiliation. Uh, if at all we have a claim, uh, I won't give too much emphasis on Aksai Chin. I will give emphasis on Kailash Mansarwar. That's our original area. That was part of Ladakh. We lost it. 
in 19... Uh, if Aurangzeb had not come, we would have lost the entire Ladakh to the Chinese or, and the Tibetans and, uh, in uh, 1684. And then the Mughals came and helped us on the condition that we convert to Islam. Unfortunately, they went back and we, we didn't convert ourselves. <laughs> we were lucky to escape uh, uh, that, uh, that, that uh, time. But nonetheless, I think we were asked to build a mosque in Leh. We still have a mosque. And uh, on those conditions, uh, we, 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 uh, the, the condition was such that our kings uh, uh, was ready to convert to Islam, but uh, not to become a part of China. You know, it was such a strong decision for us in that, that point of time. But Aurangzeb said, okay, I'll help you. So he came and he helped us. He sent his troops from Jammu or wherever, Kashmir. And then uh, the Chinese were driven back. But they came again a number of times. Then the Bhutanese helped us. Uh, uh, then the British came, but British were very cunning people. They were losing trade in uh, coastal China. They didn't want to harm the Chinese in Ladakh. That was their problem. I know their weakness, you may say, their problem, you may say, they were playing all the time dirty. Uh, but although only one gentleman called William Moorcraft, he is the only person who said Ladakh is so important, we should uh, uh, take full responsibility in the defense and the boundary and everything. But all other British officials were, were cunning. They were, you know, they were mercantile interest they had. East India Company was looking for some business somewhere and they relaxed on Ladakh. So we've been a victim of the British, uh, uh, you know, mercantile interest. And that will continue. Uh, in uh, Arunachal Pradesh, uh, I would say, uh, I don't think they expect uh, us to give it back. They will continue to, continue to make a lot of noises. These name-changing exercises keeps taking place now. You see, they have sinified or Tibetanized uh, those uh, names in Arunachal Pradesh. This time, another series of names have been changed. Uh, but Arunachal, you know, uh, the Tibetans cannot say this is theirs because uh, we have liberated. It was not a part of Tibet. It was a colony of Tibet. Uh, so the British went there and liberated from Tibet itself. And we forced them to sign that 1914 Shimla Agreement. It's been part of a, it's a long history. It's a long history. And uh, I don't think uh, we should allow that thing to happen. Uh, but uh, if you let uh, the Tibetans go back to China and then keep saying that Arun, Arunachal is part of uh, uh, Tibet, then it is difficult for us. Then they should stay here and <laughs> don't say anything. Uh, that's a problem we have. Uh, Ladakh is a complete different. It's an empty area. Uh, they are taking more and more area as a bargaining, so that in some stage they will use it as a bargaining chip. They will be ready to withdraw, provided we give up uh, some other point somewhere else. So the yes. Chinese are uh, master of deception, and uh, you know they continue to play these games. I, uh, I, I have a question. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, I have a question. You have narrated to us uh, on various issues and you have put it how tension is on the border. But why do you think our Prime Minister must have, what do you think the Prime Minister must have discussed in these 18 meetings with his counterpart, the Chinese counterpart, 
and uh, then as you have mentioned all these things what could have been the discussion on these 18 meetings which have taken place between india and china because the meetings took place cordial atmosphere and all of a sudden this tension happened in 2020 so what must be the meetings all about you see prime minister modi has been to china so many times before he became prime minister yes as chief minister of Gujarat, also he has been there. He was very impressed with the, we all are impressed with the development that China has done, not just Prime Minister Modi. So, you know, Gujarat model and all that development uh, model, all these things, of course, he must have uh, taken a lot of uh, inspirations from the Chinese approaches. And initial meetings were uh, not just bilateral, but it, this, these were multilateral platforms where he must have met. Most of them at BRIC summit or SCO summit or G20 or something, some other climate change meeting, uh, things like that. But the focus those time, uh, those days was uh, more on the investment, uh, bilateral relationship. Uh, and then uh, he also played the soft power game. He went to Sihan. Uh, uh, he played the Buddhist diplomacy also. Uh, you know, there are uh, five to six. Uh, 100 million Buddhists, uh, they don't hate us, um, uh, they love us. Of course, they call India a Western heaven, you know, Western heaven, Sukhavati, they call it. Uh, so, the uh, Prime Minister knows all these problems. I don't think it's Prime Minister Modi's problem or Xi Jinping's problem. Uh, it's a problem we don't know, it's part of the global politics. How during uh, Trump period, entire global politics have changed and now under Biden it's become worse I think uh, unfortunately uh, uh, even um, uh, this uh, COVID virus and all these things have been brought into all this discussion so atmosphere was vitiated anyway and I, I, I told you till 2017-18 things were fine that's why some people make I don't make this argument about 370 uh, 370 means that, uh, you know, uh, according to the Chinese understanding, there are autonomous regions in China, autonomous regions of, of Tibet, autonomous region of Xinjiang, autonomous region of, there are a couple of autonomous regions. Most of them are not autonomous. They are normal provinces of China. Now, according to their understanding, they thought that Article 370 is like some provinces, autonomous province of China. It's not like that. It was part of India, integral part of India. And everything applies uh, according to Indian constitution. So this 370, probably 370 and 35A, they didn't understand properly why we made these changes. So they thought it's a big, uh, big thing they have done, like incorporation of Tibet into China in 1950s. It's, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like so. The response was very funny, partly because of ignorance, partly they handled, uh, uh, they, 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 uh, they, they had some hidden agenda about Ladakh that got exposed. Uh, they, it came out immediately after the 370 thing. Why would they go to United UN Security Council about this? You know, mm -hmm. taking this issue. Uh, and uh, they become so belligerent, so noisy about Ladakh. And then they followed by military action. So it, it hit them very hard. I don't know whether uh, Prime Minister Modi and uh, 
Home Minister Amit Shah has knew all these things that Chinese will get angry. Probably we didn't have any uh, idea. Jai Shankar as a uh, chief, sec uh, sorry, foreign secretary went there after uh, uh, 5th uh, August to explain that this will not impact our boundary uh, dispute or boundary line. But the Chinese insisted, no, you have done something very wrong. Uh, so, and to the extent they said it affects our territorial integrity, how it affects any, unless they have substantive proof. Hmm. I can only guess that in 1959, when they gained control over Potala, the headquarter of uh, Tibet government, probably they found out a lot of documents there. And those documents would have been the maps of monasteries, the maps, you know, network of sectarian uh, linkages with various, uh, whether Bhutan or Arunachal, Sikkim, those are religious documents. And those religious documents, the Chinese, again, the stupidity would be to translate that into a political uh, story, which they are very uh, good at. Because from the Manchu days and the Ming days, it's all uh, Chinese nationalism is, again, it's a, it's a religious-based nationalism. Uh, that's why revolution came, communist revolution, because it was worse during Qing dynasty. And I'm telling you, the Communist Party of China is claiming very minimum area from Ladakh. When I went to Taiwan a uh, couple of uh, 10 years ago, uh, I said, oh, Mr. Stockton, you are from Ladakh. So, yes, I'm from Ladakh. Oh, next time you don't need to come with uh, any visa. You come just like that. You are, you are company citizen. What I'm trying to tell you is that because the Communist Party came, uh, it was the Tibetans, the Manchus, the Mongols who are ruling China. You know, this minority Chinese, uh, the Manchus are minority in Manchuria, Mongols are from Mongolia, Tibetans are from Tibet. And their claim area go up to South Siberia, to uh, far east of Russia, uh, to South China Sea. South China Sea was claimed by Taiwanese much before the PRC claim. That is why I'm saying, even, even on Ladakh, the nationalist Chinese claim is much more bigger than the Communist Party's claim. Uh, so uh, we, we haven't uh, studied all these things carefully. If Communist Party goes away tomorrow, and if there are strong nationalist Chinese come to power, they will uh, say, you know, up to uh, Zojila Pass is mine, or Shimla is mine, because uh, their history is quite different from Communist Party Chinese. The Communist Party of China's history. Uh, so these guys are more ideological, but the other guys are more nationalist. Uh, the nationalists can be far more dangerous uh, than the communists are very controlled ideology. They see their party interest. You know, it's it's a different equation altogether. The nationalists are uh, it can be very difficult for us. So we need to think in a different way, in a comprehensive way. Not that Communist Party is. Uh, but, you know, Communist Party is just in the name. Nobody is Communist today in China. Everybody is a Buddhist. Every Communist Party offers, send money to Dalai Lama uh, or some, you know, officers of, you know, they, it came in the newspapers. They send, money, they send money to Panchen Lama or some temples and the monasteries for their good luck, for their good, um, uh, you know, uh, family luck, for money, prosperity and promotion in the Communist Party. Uh, Mr. Uh, the ICCR chairman, former chairman, Lokesh Chandra used to call, uh, say that the roots of Communist Party is the Buddhism. 
the roots, I mean the ground level roots. Like in India, uh, if you have a BJP party, the, uh, the roots are coming from somewhere else. There's also Sangha there. So there are Buddhist Sangha in uh, China. Uh, you, we also have Sangha here. The Sanghas are very powerful. They define the politics, the contours of politics. Communist Party is just a superficial nomenclature. Hmm. Uh, they have to keep it. <laughs> they have to keep it as a as a relic. But the dynamics of the Chinese politics is, uh, I think, it is driven by much deeper underpinnings. Uh, those are uh, could be religious, uh, but they try to dis distinguish between religion and superstition. Certain things they don't like and they dump it, uh, dub it as superstition. Uh, certain things that say it's religion. For uh, most uh, uh, outsiders, they say, oh, China is anti-religion. But the Chinese Communist Party know that religion is very powerful source for the survival of Communist Party of China itself. So they won't touch uh, religion. What they will do is certain uh, magic power, certain, uh, you know, this... Uh, uh, black magic or uh, you know superstitions which can harm the minds of the people to join the Communist Party of China. Uh, those things they are doing. Uh, so they destroy certain temples which they think they are doing some tantric exercise or something like that. Sir, I have another question to you. What do you think will happen on the Chinese front and Indian front uh, diplomatically and military in the next one year, can you just make a uh, give some idea to the viewers? What could be? What do you foresee in the next twelve months, and especially the coming winter? I mean, <laughs> the coming summer uh, on the border. Uh, if you think that uh, the Chinese, we have uh, Chinese have not gone for full-fledged war uh, against us. Uh, I think Winter Olympics are holding them. Uh, it was they told the Russians also not to attack Ukraine till I finish my Olympics. <laughs> so they always look for timings. Uh, if you are looking for that kind of timing, immediately what I can say is that now after the Winter Olympics, they will again start flexing their muscles on the Ladakh border. Right. Uh, the uh, uh, the infrastructure, the kind of uh, uh, things they are building on the other side. You know, there are two military. Uh, districts there. One is the Xinjiang military district, the other is a Tibet. Uh, somewhere near Pangong Lake, uh, it gets divided between Tibet and uh, Xinjiang. Uh, but it's a Western military uh, command. Uh, the kind of preparation which is going on there, uh, uh, I cannot say it is only meant for Ladakh only. Uh, they are, they think that from Depsang to uh, Pamir Mountain, it forms one security belt for them to check uh, extremism, ISIS, Taliban, uh, militancy from Afghanistan. You know, they have a wider perspective on this military aspect. So while on the Russian and the Central Asian and other front, Chinese are dealing diplomatically through Shanghai cooperation organization, through economic dealings, through cooperation. On the Indian side, they are doing conventionally. Military convention methodology is used for managing the uh, India China India border, but on other fronts, there is not much action taking place. Say on the Afghan side, they have some preparation going on, 
but they don't talk about uh, uh, you know the penetration of Taliban or Islamic uh, terrorists into Xinjiang. They, they it's not part of their discourse. On the Xinjiang, there are three or four countries there. They deal with those countries quite differently, and uh, most of these countries have gone uh, for the Olympic uh, game. Uh, our prime minister has just had a summit with them, but they have went to China also. Uh, so you can see uh, they love us, but they can't live without China. Uh, that's a problem uh, for most of the countries. <laughs> They're in debt now. Uh, so uh, immediate terms, it's very difficult to uh, predict Chinese behavior. It's a very opaque way of dealing uh, with us, especially with India. The last uh, border meeting, which took place uh, the 14th round of talk, I think last month or the early this month, uh, uh, was that they, they come up with very trivial issues like, you know, your uh, media is very noisy. Tell them to keep quiet. <laughs> They're telling our military commanders. And why your uh, VIPs are keep coming here, uh, you know, in the border areas? So they're always looking for excuses. They keep on changing their goalposts. So you can't predict the Chinese. And I think that uh, if the meeting was scheduled to be held on the 15th of February now, couple of, one week ahead, I'm not very sure that meeting will be held because uh, what happened on the Olympic thing, uh, India will uh, rethink about, uh, you know, it's, it's an insult. Well, the Chinese can do whatever they want to do. We have our own right to look at that uh, Olympic issue in our own way. Uh, what will provoke them, I suppose, is that uh, coming Wednesday, there is a court meeting and I think our foreign minister is going again. Chinese, Chinese thought we forgot about court, but the mm -hmm. Americans are raising court again. Uh, and there will be a summit uh, next time in Australia or in somewhere. Uh, it will continue. So I say action reaction, uh, you know, syndrome will be there. Uh, one cannot predict what will happen. Uh, only thing is that it will drain our resources. That's a worrisome. I know the cost of keeping uh, 50,000 troops there uh, in such a difficult area. The Chinese also uh, not so easy for Chinese either. And let me tell you the feedback that I get from our own troops, Ladakhi troops, is that they don't have that kind of uh, military uh, training. They are, you know... Uh, very, very fragile uh, troops. Uh, maybe technologically they may be savvy, but uh, they, don't, they are not battle-hardened uh, soldiers. They can be defeated very easily. Uh, that I can assure you. Uh, one good thing has happened after Galwan incident, and especially this figure has come out. We knew about this figure. Uh, my expectation was 43. Now it is the Australians are saying 30, 38. My sources say that uh, 43 bodies were counted. Uh, lifted by helicopters on our side by the Chinese helicopters, but this only uh, this number only limited to the choppers picking up the bodies. This the number does not include the bodies which has flown into the river. <laughs> yeah. It has gone to the other side also. So um, my estimate is total 125. Uh -huh. 125. The rest have been just flown into the river. I won't say we have killed them. Uh, they just, uh, uh, you know, they slept in the in the from the mountain into the river uh, with the boulders, the head injury, and the, the river was frozen, almost like a cold 
zero temperature. Even in June, it remains zero there. Uh, most of them would have died in the river and they may have been flown uh, to the other side. So uh, number is much more. Unfortunately, lack of language, uh, knowledge of Chinese language is that this number could have been uh, identified if our students and the universities learn thorough Chinese and uh, pick up from the vernacular media, say Sichuan uh, or you know, some other Yunnan or some how many uh, uh, bodies have been cremated, they all feature in the local media, not in Global Times and uh, China Daily. Uh, these are uh, features in some, some provincial, sub-county level newspaper. Unfortunately, we don't read more than uh, China Daily and Global Times. Uh, that will not give you full information. So I am, I am also worried because uh, uh, now since we don't have any academic uh, contact or any source of information coming from China, no... Uh, we will be knowing nothing after 10 years uh, because the Chinese have the other way to know about us. Chinese know us through Nepal. They have a good setup in Nepal to understand us. Most of our crazy experts go to on the Kathmandu channel and speak out their mind. On the Chinese, it's linked with Chengdu or the military district there. They have a good way of understanding us through maybe even Bangladesh, uh, maybe from uh, Sri Lanka, from Maldives. They are in South Asia, they have entrenched. So they know us very well. In comparison, our understanding of knowing China is little uh, limited now. More limited because of uh, the restriction that uh, we ourselves have imposed. Uh, you know, uh, that's not the way that uh, we should uh, do it. Uh, for example, the boycott uh, policy uh, to me doesn't seem to have worked. We are buying more Chinese product. Uh, and I saw in a global times that we bought more than 6,800 items. No, yeah, 6,800 6, items. These are basically spare parts for cars or uh, mobile or computers. And the global times said, at least you buy all such big items from us. You assemble and sell it to third country and make money. That's what <laughs> the Chinese are offering to us. It's, might as well buy from us and you make money by assembling them and selling it to third, third countries. Uh, so this, this is a, a curious thing. We need a very, very, very thorough understanding of China. Uh, some good diplomats uh, have a nuanced understanding of China, but we need deeper understanding. What do you call it? Hard understanding of China. You know, Americans, because of their business dealing in the last, uh, since the Tiananmen Square or 90s, the reform, Deng Xiaoping reform policy, in 20, 30 years, they are thoroughly, uh, they are thorough about understanding Chinese mind, cultivating friendship, cultivating personal relationship. This is how, what matters in China. Uh, we don't apply those mechanism. And as a result, we, 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 the Chinese score points on the negotiation also. And uh, they get feedback from the Americans have a different feedback. The most of the companies, corporate, uh, would be supplying information to the uh, the American system. Uh, so if if the Adanis and the Ambanis are well entrenched into the Chinese business market, uh, we should be using them. Uh, what they do in China and how they wish to deal with China. So the nation is also, uh, you know, the nation benefits from their experience. People, executives who go there, uh, well, we can uh, stop going there, but those people should do business. Uh, make money from the Chinese. If Chinese are rich, we should make money from the Chinese, not the other way around.
Mr. Stockton, one last question, and then I want to go to Dr. Swami. You said that you know we didn't lose that much land, but you were saying that the farmers or the uh, nomads were finding it difficult to have their uh, cattle graze and things like that. Why is that? If they, are they've lost land or are they not allowed to go beyond a point? Oh, oh, I just wanted to know what really is the is the issue there. It was one of the questions one of the uh, you know one of the viewers asked. So yeah, that that uh, person must be knowing the answer also. He's simply <laughs> a knowledgeable person. <laughs> so uh, well, uh, you know the this kind of uh, incursion actually took place after the death of uh, Deng Xiaoping. After 62 war, uh, in the 70s, they kept quiet. There was a lull. Uh, during the reforms period in China, Deng Xiaoping open-door policy. Chinese didn't do much in the border areas uh, to trouble us. Once he died, then they started uh, looking at us in a very different way. They started having uh, very assertive policies. And they started with capturing our nomads pasture land. Uh, pasture land, we don't have summer pasture land. We have winter pasture land. You know what is winter pasture land? In winter, there are no greeneries anywhere. So what happens is that during summer, the, the, the fodder, the grass grow in the, in the plateau. And then by October, it is covered by snow. So by oh. December, January, we take our cattle, we take our sheep and uh, livestock, in that area and the, the, the sheep and the animal themselves dig out the grass under the snow. These are in hundreds of kilometers and lakhs of animals go there for looking for winter uh, food for them. And the Chinese push their nomads uh, on those neutral pasture lands where we used to graze the Chinese also. Chinese also pushed the Tibetan uh, nomads for grazing. So we used to have conflict uh, all the time, every summer, every winter, up to March, this problem occurs. Uh, I'm sure uh, during now the Chinese New Year starts, uh, there, there are exchange of gifts also, uh, there, there are problems also. Uh, so we can say it is a civilian conflict, the military doesn't get involved. But I won't say these are LAC. These are in the Koyul sector, in the uh, southeastern, in the Demchok sector. Uh, uh, where I think uh, the grazing land uh, mutually used, I mean, for both sides, we, uh, we have stopped going there now because the Chinese have been asserting. Now the border is so tense that uh, nobody wants to take risk. If I, as the, if, if I am the military commander, I will also not risk uh, sending our uh, animals and uh, and uh, nomads into that area because it will create another situation. Is uh, that neutral land? Are you saying it's neutral land or is it Chinese land? <laughs> no, these are disputed. These are these are lines. Uh, these are areas. There are no defined position. There are, uh, you know, everything is uh, unclear. It can oh, be yours. Okay. It can be theirs. You also claim. They also claim. So uh, <laughs> there are no easy answer in this. So okay. that's why I'm saying, uh, technically, technically, this cannot be solved. It can be only solved politically. Yeah. If the two leaders meet and give and take something take place, that's possible. As such, you know, you keep on fighting for every inch of land, and th 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 there is there is no such thing there. <laughs> Both sides claim huge land, 
even even before 1962 war they had captured 12500 square kilometer from before 62 then uh, after 62 they captured the more land so can you imagine now how to push them back it's a serious issue uh, and it's not easy to push them back also let me tell you very and frankly speaking uh, in our psyche aksai chin uh, to me it was not mine i used to go there only to collect uh, some uh, you know uh, lake salt we we don't have sea we have this salt lakes so we mm. used to collect during winter you, in the autumn you go and collect salt and we come but we don't stay there even the military don't go there and stay there so uh, uh, we didn't go beyond shayok valley these are you know dead bodies are there all skeletons are lying there this used to be a trading uh, route which ladakhis king uh, uh, closed it because we were conquered from that area by the mongols all the time not by the chinese we were conquered mm. from the north by the by the uyghurs by uh, you know tungans or by the kalmuks by the zungars these are the people of those nomadic uh, mongols used to uh, invade us from that route from the you know the the the, the, the galwan valley from uh, aksai chin uh, plateau and they used to go up to tibet so we were if in fact now there are a lot of chinese books coming that how the chinese bribed the ladakhis to keep a watch on the zungar mongols so that they don't invade chinese <laughs> in the 17th century and these are written by europeans also like italians and the french they keep coming out with this sources from the manchu uh, history says that uh, ladakh ladakhis were bribed by the chinese uh, to be a spy uh where the six are coming the kashmiris are coming uh, the uyghurs are coming the the mongols are coming because we are at the uh, center pot you know we are at the strategic place where everybody meets in ladakh uh, all the all the big civilization meets in ladakh all the religion meets in ladakh all the geography meets there so chinese understand the value of ladakh unfortunately british india partly understood partly didn't understand but then independent india left uh, ladakh on the mercy of sheikh abdullahs and the uh, you know all those creatures who were in kashmir and they didn't care they were obsessed with their valley ladakh they thought is a burden for them they never took care of us uh, now i think we are a union territory uh, it's a, it's a very good thing we are very happy about it but at the same time i think once now you have uh, created uh, union territory there uh you should do it properly with certain amount of uh, you know uh, institutional uh, and the constitutional uh, uh safeguards and also certain amount of uh, weight just creating on paper is not sufficient chinese are watching at this area very closely uh and if you mishandle that area uh it will be very very uh, you know not a very good job thank you Thank you, Doctor Swami. You've had it's almost an hour and forty minutes now. I mean, <laughs> you've been watching China for thirty, forty years. Okay, so would love to hear uh, of some brief thing from your side, and then maybe Jagdish can conclude. It's hour and forty minutes. Fascinating discussion. Yeah, Doctor Swami. Before you proceed, as uh, Mr. Stockdam has told us, there could be a conflict, or uh, China will start asserting. So we also want to know in your perhaps your closing remarks. if there is a conflict on our border full fledged conflict localized to the border what could be the outcome how would our military perform we want to know from you in your answer then mr ramesh will wind up thank you 
but well look i come from partly a defense background i worked in a defense yeah. team also and uh, when i talked to my colleague uh, said, uh, said we can easily defeat them uh, yeah. we can give them a bloody nose the bloody nose we can give them we are not 62 that's a standard answer i get uh, yeah. but that has to be verified and tested uh, we actually haven't fought but then they cite you know uh, this natula yeah. uh, incident of uh, something something ah. uh, you know uh, the other incident in arunachal pradesh so yeah. uh, they seem to be very confident and it's a good thing um, indian military yeah. is very tough but it's yeah. not going to be hand to hand again uh, you know uh, <laughs> uh, 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 fighting a war is uh, not a uh, easy thing unless we are very sure about winning it we should not even uh, think about it uh, it's not a, it's not a uh, that's why you said you don't leave uh, uh, uh things to the military journals to decide uh, what to do uh, there is a saying on that uh, i will not offer uh, military option but uh, yes we are capable uh, only thing is that we have not sufficiently modernized our indian army in modernization of indian military has not taken place yeah. they can look at the chinese you know they have gone ahead of us on everything in in air force in navy maritime in the Uh, so uh, in terms of comparison i will not compare to be very frank china is powerful which everybody knows but they don't admit uh, i admit because i understand china better than anybody say from kerala because of the geography <laughs> comparison <laughs> but kerala will understand china better because they have ancient relationship yeah uh, yeah even even bodhi uh, dharma bodhi dharma <laughs> yeah bodhi dharma the tamil buddhism had reached uh, china much before uh, the pandits were very expert even up, they went up to vietnam uh, brahmins of uh, tamil nadu and yeah. uh, even uh, kung fu has gone from kerala uh, mm. uh, right. i was right. he, he was i was told that you know during the wedding when we give a silk sari to to your daughter that has also been started from kerala because of chinese silk used to come to yes. kerala Yes, and then I was told in China that the no havan was complete without a vastu coming from China those days. Uh, normally, India didn't have camphor those days, and that yeah. blooms we sweep the uh, floor these days. That is now we grow here, but earlier it used to come from China. So in a, in a havana, when you require so many dust vastus, uh, those, those elements, many elements you required from all direction. including from china used to be called and during the gupta period uh, no havana was complete without something coming from china uh, <laughs> in the morning stotra of uh, last uh, hindu king uh, vikramaditya uh, he used to praise china and worship china and then used to eat food after offering his uh, stotra around his breakfast uh, that plate uh, kashmire kabule sri lanka china deshe and then he used to invoke his own god then he will eat you know it's like a offering of uh, food so it's part of our uh, uh, disposition in our mind uh, which we have forgotten but if you read the gupta period stotra of every king uh, you will find all those things how it is so important for us but unfortunately when the moguls came you know bakir khilji and all burnt all the universities of india where the chinese used to come 
once those universities were burned out, then the, no, nobody had any interest in coming to China, uh, to India. Some came to Kerala and Tamil Nadu through the ocean, but the land route was closed because everything was destroyed. Takshila went away, the Nalanda went away, all this Saravasti went away, where did the big, big university, Sanskrit, Pali used to be. And the Chinese were vice chancellor of Nalanda University also. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and uh, when the king used to be uh, ordained in uh, the forbidden city, the chief priest of Nalanda used to be taken for a couple of months uh, traveling to China to ordain the king. Those are the tradition, you know, Bodhidharma, like for example, for them. But to bring all those things story in the modern times is very difficult. Very, very difficult. It's a new generation. They don't want to learn also. Uh, I, I find I find it very difficult to uh, bring some meaning in our relationship. Uh, obviously, we will not remain enemy all the time. Uh, uh, we, we should interact. It's a big neighbor. We can't be friend, but we can be, um, you know, we should stay as a neighbor of big countries. And we had his history, you know, 2000 years, the Chinese ambassador uh, in the United States uh, uh, when Clinton was there as well. He said that, you know, India ruled over China for 2000 years without sending a single army. They were asked, you know, if you go to China in the interior, they stood up your feet. He said, you come from my God land. So I worship you. Yeah, so what can we do? But obviously, uh, Communist Party is also responsible for destroying all those <laughs> elements. And uh, we cannot blame ourselves. We, they are also fully responsible. And then there are intermediaries you know, who, who do, uh, they don't want us to be friend. Even in Buddhism, there are other Buddhists who do not want us to be good friend. <laughs> Because that Buddhism and our Buddhism is different from the third Buddhism. That's another problem. There's a and I tell you, uh, even if it is Communist Party of China, Chinese Communist Party is working on the future of the uh, the Chinese are building on the basis of Buddhism. If you read Gokhale's article, you'll find that every policy is Buddhist driven, meaning say, saying that if you want to have if you have control over Buddhism then you have control over Asia. And if you have control over Asia, then you're going to have control over the globe, world. Basically, not just Buddhism is not about religion or some philosophy. Buddhism is about market. It's about industry. It's about uh, cor uh, corporates. It's about, you know, it's politics, actually. So therefore, the Chinese have already spent $6 billion in search of the future Buddha, what you call it, Maitreya Buddha. He says that Siddhartha Gautam Buddha is a past Buddha, historical Buddha. It's an Indian Buddha. So they are looking for the future Buddha. Uh, so they want to find him in China. So they are doing research, uh, including the Western philosophers are involved in this. I know about it. Every year the conference takes place. And one day you will find that the Maitreya Buddha is being born in China. And we are still talking about who is going to be the next Dalai Lama. They are thinking about the next Buddha himself and uh, you know uh, Buddha is next, uh, Buddha would be the incarnation of Adi Buddha, Buddha himself Adi Buddha. Dalai Lama would be a reincarnation of only Bodhisattva, not the Buddha so there is a different dynamics happening there 
unfortunately we don't study those these things even i don't study i see you know morning evening some here and there some websites here and there it's a very shoddy understanding of china but uh, it's a fascinating subject well uh, we can go on for uh, days uh, with the kind of uh, data bank uh, and knowledge bank uh, that uh, our ambassador has displayed uh, in this short time and i think uh, what we need to do is perhaps call you back in april after more events have taken place um i fully agree with you that the chinese uh, uh, secretly have uh, a lot of respect for india at the local level uh, when uh, I, i had studied chinese uh, during my uh, college years and uh, so uh, while my practice is weak uh, but uh, i still remember a lot of these chinese sayings they used to refer to india as shitian shitian jungo jungo means middle kingdom and shitian means uh, the western god tian is sky god so similarly they used to say to those people uh who came from india and spoke chinese they, uh, they used to say to them uh tempo pa tipo ba jo pa yangwe ch hoi sho jungo hua that is uh, do not fear the gods do not fear the devil but do fear the foreigner who speaks chinese so uh <laughs> i think what that's <laughs> one of the ways to de- develop fear is to learn chinese learn uh, and deal with them in their own language and uh, so um, uh, what you have said what uh, what the thing you laid down i think i have you gave me advice that i should go to the rashtrapati bhavan i am giving you advice please come to parliament because if you are in parliament we'll have a completely different perspective in no time uh, so maybe uh, i was uh, i was telling you in a lighter way not not serious manner for myself you know uh i don't think i can ever become uh rajya sabha or something like that but uh, if i get an opportunity yes uh, we need to change the discourse in a different way you know i'm quite tired with this television debate uh i feel very sorry for our own countrymen uh, who are fooled every day on some pretext or the other yes. make a lot of noise um, yes. uh, so it's not good uh yes. educated people should be there knowledgeable people should be there you know it's good for the country if we are, can do good for the country why not uh, but yes. we uh, have our own age and then we will all phase out that's a problem yes no they um, <clears throat> i agree with your long term perspective that india and china should have a working relationship but somewhere we have to demonstrate to them uh that their past arrogance uh from arising from 1962 uh is now a thing of the past and actually there have been incidents you mentioned them in passing i'll repeat it um uh, the uh, in 1967 we gave him a thrashing on that uh, nathula pass mm-hmm. uh and uh, in fact our uh, brave uh, soldiers and their commanders they too even took tanks where no tanks go up uh, but they did it and they really wiped them out 
uh, then this Sumdu Rongchu Valley yes, in there also we gave them a thrashing. Yes. So there are only two uh, conflicts that have taken place. No, no. sir. This June um, two thousand twenty. Ah, yes. yes. Even uh, if right. it is thirty-eight, okay, forget about hundred twenty-five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gave. Sorry. The conclusion of this uh, Galwan incident is that the psychic burden of Indians that we had from sixty-two that we lost the war. That is hmm. now completely broken. Yeah, we should not carry saying. that hangover of the sixty-two. Yes. Many people suffer from that problem. Yes, uh, right. My senior, I have not seen that war. I may have not been born also. Uh, Sixty-one, sixty-two. I was just born, but oh. uh, everybody talks about that in not in a good way. So, I think uh, this uh, Galwan incident is a blessing in disguise also. <laughs> in a way, <laughs> we have achieved our own problem about you know forgetting about that era. That's right. I agree. So, uh, well, sir, uh, I we don't know how to thank you. This has been one of the most scintillating discussions. The reactions of the uh, people watching is also there. I'm sure is going to be a very big turnout that we have had, and uh, we look forward. And please uh, be. Uh, don't say don't say no when we call you in in April, no matter how in what lofty position you are in, please come again. And we want to, this kind of uh, knowledge is not easy to get even from books. It requires a great deal of study, and uh, what in in Sanskrit we call is manthan, you know, just uh, uh, working, you know, putting it all together in a logical one. So thank you very, very much uh, for this um, uh, session that we had with you and look forward to seeing you again. Thank you very much for calling me, sir. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Bye. Okay, Jagdish. Okay. Okay, go ahead, Jagdish ji. Go ahead, complete. Concluding. Yeah. It was a very interesting discussion today we had on the situation in Ladakh and on the border. And I thank our guest, uh, Ambassador Stopden and Dr. Subramaniam Swami and my co-host Ramesh Swami. I also have to thank our technical team led by Ashish Shetty, Swaminathan, Tejas Navalgul, Rakesh Gargi, Ishwar Ayer, Ajesh Nayar and Vishal Mehta. I also have to remind you that we will be with another topic next Sunday at 8 p.m. on our show with another interesting discussion. So I thank our viewers which are across 125 plus countries. And as I mentioned, last week, viewership was more than 1,12,531 viewers. And today also, I see from whatever figures I'm seeing, because we are not on one channel, but we are on various social media channels, the response which we get from our viewers, I thank all of them. So we see you next Sunday at 8 p.m. Indian Standard Time. Dhanyabad. And thank you. Jai Hind. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Namaskar. Namaskar.